guys. Welcome back to the Allergic to Christ podcast. I'm Victoria. And I'm Whitney. And I'm so glad you joined in to listen today. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about Leviticus chapters three through five with somewhat leading into six. So we're going to go through verse seven, I think, of chapter six. Um, but to pick up where we left off last week, let's quickly recap what we saw in chapters one through two. In the previous episode, we learned about the need for offerings and the rituals that went along with them. We learned that there are different offerings slash sacrifices for different reasons. Uh, In the episode, we covered the burnt offering and what animals slash livestock could be used, the ritual or how to for the offerer and the priests. The burnt offering was used for atonement. And the second offering we learned about was a grain offering. We learned how the grain could be prepared, baked or unbaked, what it could and could not be mixed with. And the grain offering was used to express things. And that brings us here. S to, to chapter, chapter three. three. <laughs> Let how it begin. We <laughs> We're just that in sync. <laughs> in sync. It's tearing up my heart. Okay. That was a Backstreet Boys girl. No. Oh, what's okay. We're here now. <laughs> no <laughs> no <laughs> oh no what, so, what song did NSYNCs have like what were their songs bye 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 okay, well, maybe no I strings was... attached I do know bye 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 mm-hmm. yeah, everyone knows bye 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 what else oh goodness which what... one had Justin Timberlake they all did NSYNC. he was part of NSYNC from the very NSYNC? beginning okay I thought so mm-hmm. maybe I was an add on there yeah it was N- it's before it was, my time you're old it was Justin Timberlake JC Chazé Chris Kirkpatrick you were aging yourself Joey Fatone and Lance Bass <laughs> I don't know their names <laughs> <laughs> it was before my time 90s baby oh I mean, yeah oh yeah you had what 10 years of the 90s yeah, I really didn't get into like culture. My I had a Walkman with a cassette, like cassette tape. <laughs> My first time I ever heard NSYNC was on a mixtape. I did. I was after the Walkmans, but before the DV, the this the hip CD players, like the ones that you could wear around. Oh hips, yeah, like, like you had players. to carry it on your mm-hmm. hand, and or if else you it would skip. <laughs> say if the car went over a bump it would stop <laughs> yes all right and then like the albums like the zipper the big yes, black zippered like cd cases yep no lie the other year i got my husband a cd player with a speaker for christmas to put in his garage uh-huh. because he has all of his cds the big black album I have with them the flippy in my mom's house pages. oh at yeah my mom's house i have them oh, yeah they're still there mm-hmm. i had one for cds and one for dvds Yes. I still have my DVD collection, part of it. Yeah, we do too. DVDs haven't gone out of style yet. <laughs> yet. Mm, I also yet. have VHS collections. You know what is coming back is vinyl. I feel like it's more of an aesthetic now, though. It's, what do you mean? Like, they don't really play it. They just put it out. Uh, yeah, I'm sure some people, if I bought vinyl, like, I would play like, it. Yeah. But I'm just not into that music that much anymore in my but old age the vinyl's replacing cds now with like normal albums like I you can have like that. an album come out that has a cd but they it put it out in out vinyl with, too mm-hmm. yeah I, i've seen that i'm saying it's like more of an aesthetic yeah. like they like a like a we've gone way off track we have so peace offerings <laughs> chapter three of leviticus of the bible yes chapter three um my notes for this section is all over the place. My notes oh. for this episode is all over the place. We have been preparing this episode for two weeks. Two weeks. 
there i just i feel like like i've revisited these chapters like so many times and i still don't understand yeah well and there's just so much too like there are so many different deep rabbit holes that you can fall into like and we learned from our intro to leviticus that we really aren't supposed to do that (laughs) yes correct fall into this deep rabbit holes get get tripped up by the uh little uh details of the, the whole details thing of because the it's why not, yeah. the rationale it's and all of that really important i guess but yeah i did have like a revelation coming coming into these chapters it was not really it was something i was listening to from rts which mm-hmm. you listened to that lecture series yeah too. it was good and he was talking about how um Leviticus kind of gives us a similar view that Genesis did in terms of the definitions and the applications oh, yes. of grace and forgiveness and mercy and yeah. atonement and sacrifice mm-hmm. and the list goes on and on and on. But I was thinking as I was preparing for these this episode, I was like, you know, what if we didn't have the Old Testament? Because it's not really applicable right now to our current yeah, it, circumstance. Like, what if we didn't have the Old Testament? I was like, A, I would not be sitting here trying to figure out what all of these sacrifices mean. Right? <laughs> B, I would also not have the viewpoint that Jesus had during his ministry and what he represented for us. Yes. So, like, we would not understand the effects of our sin and our on ourselves uh, as well as the people around us in the area around mm-hmm. us. And we not we would mm-hmm. have no prior examples yeah. of God's grace and his mercy and his forgiveness exactly. and like all of the things. Exactly. And you have to keep in mind too that like in like in Jesus Jesus' time, like when he was on the earth during his ministry and things, like this is what what they had. Yeah. Was only this. Yeah. It was like, the law. Only that. Mm-hmm. That's why when like they have this man coming up from coming mm-hmm. up from nazareth who knew the law backwards and forwards he was the law he was the law <laughs> like is. he there was no way that if he was growing up growing up somewhere outside of jerusalem somewhere far away from the temple somewhere far away from all of these leaders of israel that he would understand it and can apply it to their lives and answer their questions as mm-hmm. well as he did if yeah. he wasn't who he was yeah I mean, I literally somewhere in my notes, because like you and mine are a little bit of everywhere. They're everywhere. <laughs> uh, I literally wrote down, thank you, God, for letting me be on this side of the cross. I couldn't imagine. Like, can I... But see, like, I did find something in my research for this episode that the Jewish people today don't do these sacrifices. They don't do them anymore because they think that prayer and works is has taken the place of these sacrifices. Here we go with the works. You know? That's interesting because how can they decide just to change that? Not a conversation for a recording no, on this podcast. It's not. Like I didn't I mean, I guess I, I kind of knew that they didn't they still do them, have but like the I'm day thinking of about it, it doesn't make sense. They still like have, how how can you follow all these other rules and say this is what it is, but we're gonna change this one? The Pharisees. Yeah. The Pharisees, man. Mm-hmm. Anyway. They still have the Day of Atonement. They still do the Day of Atonement, which is actually coming up here, I think. They kill an animal or um, they just I take the day off? I don't know. Anyway. Um, but they don't do like the the peace offerings, the sin offerings, the guilt offerings. Like if if they don't think Jesus is who he was. Why did they change Why did that? they change it? Who told them they could? Am I reading or are you? <sighs> okay. Starting in chapter three. You're reading. Oh, okay. <laughs> Laws for peace offerings. If his offering is a sacrifice of peace offering, mm. I start that over. <laughs> you please. sure can. 
<laughs> laws for peace offerings. If his offering is a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offers an animal from the herd, male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand on his head, on the head, on of, the head of, the, of the offering, of his offering, and get my page one turn. <laughs> And he shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and kill it at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall throw the blood against the sides of the altar. And from the sacrifice of the peace offering as a food offering to the Lord, he shall offer the fat covering the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys." Then Aaron's sons shall burn it on the altar on top of the burnt offering, which is on the wood on the fire. It is a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Keep going. Nope. That's good. It's, it's, that's pretty much it. Um, mm -hmm. Peace offerings are meant to be done after a burnt offering, which, you know, we kind of learned last episode that the burnt offering and the grain offering Kind of go hand in hand um, in that everything that is offered should be offered after a burnt offering, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Am yeah. I saying that right? Mm -hmm. And can I kind of explain maybe why or do you have something on that? No, you can explain why. So I watched a sermon by, uh, I forget the pastor's name, but it was from the Calvary Church in Ontario canada no not canada ontario oregon i think it was <laughs> <laughs> um but he kind of walked through these chapters and the points he made were actually really interesting mm -hmm. and so what he said was so i'm gonna go i guess we're gonna go back a smidgen to like the burnt offering and things because you know we kind of talked about that infinite gap yeah of you know being separate and things but basically sin is what separates us from God, right? Oh, really? So, so you know, with that, we have to provide a burnt offering, or we're going to get to here in a little while, the sin offering, which brings us closer to God. Mm -hmm. And so then, because you are, you've been forgiven, you, you know, received atonement and what have you, then you are free to fellowship with God. And so that's what this offering was. It was kind of like you re-fellowshipping with your, mm -hmm. with God, you know? And I thought it was kind of interesting because a lot of other things call it fellowship offering. Yeah. Too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They call it, I have, it can also be called the peace offering, the fellowship offering or the thanks offering or mm -hmm. Thanksgiving offering. Thanksgiving offering. And I thought it was really interesting that I was listening to or reading about you know the whole fellowship thing when last week you and i were talking about how important fellowship is and how not so good you know you can feel without it mm -hmm. so i don't know i just th thought that was interesting yeah it's kind of like a you know thank you for forgiving my sins thank you for allowing us to have these you know sacrifices and rituals in order for us to draw closer to you it was like a thanks for being who you are take my sacrifice <laughs> thank you for the sacrifice <laughs> right? um I yeah like that's right yeah and you know they talk about it being like a, a food offering mm -hmm. you know because are we gonna we're we gonna read that the food offering yeah and you already did food offering with a pleasing aroma to yeah the Lord. so basically some of it is burnt on the altar 
the fat and given it's only to god. the fat mm-hmm. it's, it's given to fat. god the priests eat some of it and then the offerer also gets to eat some of it yeah and so you are then basically communing mm-hmm. having a communion you're, you're eating a with meal. god mm-hmm. you know and i don't know i just thought that was really interesting and then also too he the same pastor talked about like how in i guess the israel culture how intimate and close like partaking in a meal was like mm-hmm. here you know we all have individual plates and containers like when we're eating we don't all eat from the same bowl whereas there they would eat all from the same bowl all from the same plate have community dips and you know yeah because everything then is you've all consumed and is part of you now mm-hmm. the same thing yeah so yeah I did like how it, a peace offering could be male or female. Didn't have to be just male. Yes. It did still yeah. have to be without blemish. Of course. Yeah. Um, but it was just the fat. The fat was like the most flavorful part of the animal. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to eat the fat. You're no. not supposed to eat the blood. Those were specifically reserved for God. Correct. Um, which and I think we talked about it in the last episode. Fat, you know, is fat, but it was also considered to be the finest yes the best part yes so think of like wagyu steak basically yes. <laughs> see what i mean like uh, the, only the best and the finest for of, and you think like of course why wouldn't i get that to god you know yes but you know my brother went to vegas and got a bunch of wagyu steak uh, for his birthday and he literally paid like 200 dollars for his that was steak. the best steak i've ever had in my so life good. it was so good anyway. is that also what you had that was at my bachelorette party. Yeah, is that also what you yeah. had? You had the steak? Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Delish. Okay, anyway. Um, we are not vegetarians here. <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> Clearly. Um, so, moving down in three, they just really go through which other sacrifices that you could offer. So, the first one was an animal from the herd. The second one would be an animal from the flock, as in a lamb. Um, and then the third one is a goat. And that's it, right? It's every everything is exactly the same. They put their hands on the animal, yeah. they kill it, they throw the blood against the altar, they remove the fat. For a lamb, it's the whole fat tail cut off close to the backbone, and the fat that covers the entrails, and the fat that's on the entrails, and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins, and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys. That is verse nine and ten. Yeah. Mm-hmm. ish yeah i was interested to know what the fat um the fat tail was yes Cut i feel like i know that the is, backbone. Tell me what it is it's like a gi- like it's only a thing that lambs have yeah I think. and it's like a giant piece of fat that like it was a delicacy and it was very flavorful because it had so much fat on it because it was so big it was basically from their um it's their tail about halfway up their back is what it is interesting it's weird I did a. I looked at a picture of it and I was like, Ugh, "No, don't show me. It's creepy, but it's fine." No, thank you. Yes, I mean, I'm sure it's a delicacy, and mm-hmm. but now, no, he's offering thanks. Yeah, and so basically, too, and they have, and we talked about this in the last episode as well. Why you have so many different options? This is so that is so that everybody everybody know, can participate exactly, regardless of what your socioeconomic status was. Mm-hmm. So the last verse is kind of like sixteen. Yes. And then 17, it says, all fat is the Lord's. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwelling places that you enter, that you eat neither fat nor blood. And we'll kind of get into a reason of why we don't eat blood in later chapters. Um, 
There was also something that I wrote down. I think it was from my study section of my other Bible. It says, eating meat was a rare luxury in ancient times and was usually something of a celebration. Moses prescribes that every animal killed for food must be offered in sacrifice first. And that's in chapter 17. Um, So we'll get there. So at least during the wilderness period, every meal involving meat is preceded by a peace offering. Yes. Because they're not allowed to eat fat. So like what else are they supposed to do do with with it? it? Right. Right. That's really interesting. Um, Two, another point that I thought was interesting was, is that, you know, yes, this is the peace offering after the burnt offering, offering, you know, Mm -hmm. but even with the peace offering, we're still addressing sin. Like, even though you had just made a burnt offering before you can like sin is still being addressed and is still showing that that is you know what separates us from god and seeking that forgiveness is what allows you to approach him Mm -hmm. yeah oh oh the the tail the tail fat yeah could weigh up to 60 pounds oh my goodness i know it was a big part of the animal now i do need to see it (laughs) look it up um, and during word, it's talking about the fat or the blood. It says the ritual of eating blood was a common practice of pagan peoples, both ancient and modern. God wanted his people to be separated from pagan rituals and to instead recognize that life and blood are strongly connected. Yeah, it's disgusting, isn't it? He's looking at a picture of the fat oh, tail. I don't like it, but I can't stop looking at it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. That's gross. No, thanks. Okay. So that would you have anything else on peace offering? Let me look at my notes. Hold on. Um, that questions has something about peace offerings. It gives us three reasons why a peace offering could have been offered. Yeah. Um, it says first, a peace offering could be as given as a free will offering, meaning that the worshiper was giving the peace offering as a way to say thank you to God's unsought generosity. It was basically just a way to praise God for His goodness. The second way a peace offering could be given was alongside a fulfilled vow. The third purpose of a peace offering was to give thanksgiving for God's deliverance in an hour of dire need. It says none of these three reasons to sacrifice had anything to do with propitiation. <laughs> yes. Or appeasing God or with pacifying him. Yeah. Interesting. I have something that kind of goes somewhat with that, more so focusing on like the free will offering from Ligonier Ministries. Yeah. Um, It says, given the complex legislation and rituals found in the Mosaic Law, it can be easy to assume that there was no room for spontaneous praise under the Old Covenant. This would be a false assumption, however, because God has always been delighted to receive special offerings from those whose hearts have been set apart to serve him. When worshipers under the old covenant wanted to present a special offering before the Lord that was not part of those rituals or propitiation, dedication, or expiation, 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 (laughs) that everyone had to offer, a peace offering was brought to the sanctuary out of the overflow of the worshiper's heart. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you still could, you know, praise God just to praise God. Yeah. And I feel like that was mainly what the peace offering was for. Yeah, I think so. Like It was just like a... To get closer to God again, to say thank you, mm-hmm. and to just... Give out of your abundance yes. or give out of your nothing. Exactly. To give sacrificiously. Sacrificiously. Sacrificially. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Words are hard. That was peace offerings. I just wanted to say that... <laughs> I feel totally unqualified to talk about stuff. Yeah, seriously. I mean, and it's so much, and I'm sure like 
we're not there, doing it justice no there, i'm sure that there's so much more and i mean and again number one we are not teachers number two this is just the way we feel and the way we have interpreted things like this is not we did not go to seminary we're not no you know no we're like close. this is just how We've we're interpreting it, it. yeah we've we've looked up things it. Mm-hmm. like the the fat of the tail of the lamb oh, could wear 60 pounds some things you cannot unsee <laughs> it's bad isn't it's it? yucky yeah look it up i shouldn't have, <laughs> i don't mean that in relation to saying you know no you disrespect can see to why God, it was like, like a delicacy yeah it, yeah i can't imagine it being these priests who were cutting up these animals had to be like tr- butcher trained you know well yeah like hey i need to go get my meat cut up let me take it to the priests well and they didn't have how would they know where the liver is like now i know where my liver is because of anatomy classes and things but like how well you you, you think that they had to survive somehow these are nomadic people they yeah, had but how did they know what a liver and... looked like the first time i'm sure they didn't know what it was so it's just the liver because they said it's the liver but well if it's not the real liver we just believe them. I'm just kidding. God probably. I used don't the Holy, know. God probably used the Holy Spirit to show them. I don't them. know. It is okay. a storm. Is it? Peace offerings. That was peace offerings. Did you have anything else about peace offerings? Like my Bible so. is very short in terms of how much stuff they give me for the study section. Um, I like the choicest parts of the carcass. <laughs> Interesting. Mm. Um. Mm. No, I don't really have anything else. I think the biggest emphasis and the most I got out of it was is that it's for Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's for communing with God, basically. It says and it's was not considered to, to be oh, and was considered to be a um, praise mm-hmm. and just so, fellowship. Yeah, I thought that was good. All right, after four, the sin offerings, laws for sin offerings, sin offerings and the lord spoke to moses oh. saying okay are we ready? not going no, we're you not going ready? you're ready go ahead. <laughs> and did you want to sing anymore or? no was <laughs> that that was good you're done i'm done all right, right. thank you <laughs> i'll take my bow now thank you for the sacrifice okay <laughs> uh, laws for sin offerings and the lord spoke to moses saying speak to the people of israel saying if anyone sins unintentionally in any of the Lord's commandments about things not to be done and does any one of them, if it is the anointed priest who sins, thus bringing guilt on the people, then he shall offer for the sin that he has committed a bull from the herd without blemish to the Lord for a sin offering. He shall bring. Should we talk about the whole lot right there? Things before we get into the things. Like what? So. Just the first couple of verses. Um, if anyone sins unintentionally in any of the Lord's oh, commandments yeah. about the things we need to talk about that them. not to be done and does any one of them, and then it goes into blah, blah, blah. So chapter four is broken down by people who sin unintentionally. We have that whole thing to talk about, right? Yes. Sinning unintentionally and what that means, and we'll get into it. And then the, the second part and the way it's broken down is by station. So if you were a priest, this is what you would do. Yes. If you were a leader of Israel, this is what you would do. If you were the entire congregation of the people, this is what you would do. If it was a commoner, this yeah, is what you would do. Individual, yes. So it breaks it down by your status and within ha- Israel. And, and what you were... To and do. how you were supposed to do it. Yes. Yeah. And it's different for each station. Yes. Um, but the overall, A, the overall how you got to this point was because you sinned unintentionally. Correct. And then B, 
the point of the sin offering is to be forgiven. So you're the blood of the animal that you're sacrificing is a no, no, not anointing is, um, atoning, atoning for your sin. So you can be forgiven in the eyes of God. Correct. Okay. Do we want to talk about, we're talking about what it means to be sinning unintentionally. unintentionally. Okay. So to sin unintentional, what I have found is that, the literal translation of the Hebrew word or the root word unintentional has the idea of to wander or to get lost, to miss is what it says. Yes. Sinning unintentionally is the first time word the, the word sin appears in Leviticus and Hebrews root, root um, and the Hebrews root of the word essentially means to miss the same root is used in judges in describing two men who could sing a sling a stone and not miss so sinning unintentionally is just you've lost your way or you're wandering too far or you've missed the target in terms of what god has put forth from you yes at the same time it also includes sins that you do unintentionally out of ignorance as in you do not know the law and thus you are sinning unintentionally you're sinning outside of your awareness of the sin did i say that right (laughs) yeah yeah i think so um and ligonier kind of also says some things about it this was a devotion i read by james i'm sorry not james jeremy pierre he says i just have a couple quotes here i want to read from him he says we can sin without deliberate choice because we are always acting intuitively out of hearts conditioned by inherited sin say that again we can sin without deliberate choice because we are always acting intuitively out of hearts conditioned by inherited sin. Yeah. So the scenario in which he kind of was comparing it to was like a fighter pilot in a cockpit. Like that's not something you know, you just know how to do. Like, you have to train yourself how to do those things instinctively you know it's why a newborn baby is a sinner yeah i mean it, it, it's just it's inherited it's just sin. the way mm-hmm. you live you live you know what i mean yeah so <laughs> there's a difference between sinning unintentionally yes. and having a high-handed sin yes. as in you are defiantly going against what god has said not to do or what God has put forth and said, these are my commandments, you must stick to them. And it's going deliberately outside of that to not question, but to outright defy him. Yeah. Yeah. And that that there's a difference. Like, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about those sins that you do unintentionally. Like, I don't know. What are some examples? So perfect segue right into my next quote from Jeremy Pierre from Linear Ministries, citing my sources here. This was really good because these were things that you don't like. I didn't think of right away when I was thinking about these things. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, a lot of what I'm saying is is quotes here. But again, I had it was very hard for me to understand some of this stuff. So he says, think of the way sins such as partiality, jealousy, and harshness function in real life. Rarely do people intentionally decide to show partiality, yet they're instinctively drawn to a beautiful person who comes into the room. Why? Because their established perception of what is attractive. Jealousy is the automatic impulse that arises when my deep value for a certain thing meets my hidden assumption of personal entitlement to it. That explains 
so much yes harshness sorry i'm not done harshness is the result of the quiet desires of my heart smacking up against the person i perceive as withholding those desires from me i just thought that i thought that was really good it makes so much more sense sense now right like that's why people crowd me when i walk into a room for crying out loud (laughs) vanity I'm beautiful. <laughs> Don't hate me because you ain't me. I'm just kidding. Yes, no, that makes a lot of sense. So, and you know, one thing to a point that he brought up was about, uh, you know, so how do you, what keeps you in unintentional sin? Mm-hmm. Ignorance. Yep. So how do you solve that? How do you, you learn know? Learn the law. Exactly. Exactly. You learn the law. Um, hold on. I might have more. I'm going back. I feel like we hit the nail on the head. Sinning unintentional. That is thunder. Told you. You don't ever listen to me. You think my foot lies? Can't with you. <laughs> um, I feel like okay, we had the nail on the head. Like the, I just have a little piece about high-handed sins, but okay. Are we doing that now also? Yeah, sure. I mean, we might so, as well talk about the difference now. Yeah. Okay. So yet again, this is from um, Ligonier Ministries. Again, um, okay. it says a high-handed sin is one a professing believer commits boldly and defiantly not caring about the consequences and feeling no guilt about it once it's committed it is a sin this is dangerous it is a sin people commit fearlessly as they shake their fists literally and figuratively at the lord a sin committed with a high hand is not always the same thing as an intentional sin all high-handed sins are intentional but not all intentional sins are high-handed. Is it in your Bible? I will not commit high-handed yeah. sins. Yes. No. Truly, I copy-pasted it. <laughs> Did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to read the rest of it, but I, I just thought that was really good mm-hmm. because it's true. The severity of it, like how dangerous. And I think if there's one thing I took away from reading and preparing for this episode, someone who commits a high-handed sin has no fear of God. Exactly. Exactly. That's their exactly, and I mean, and think about, like I said, if anything really struck me about preparing for this episode and reading ahead to prepare for next week's episode is, excuse me, the importance and the seriousness. If we didn't hammer that home enough in Exodus, God and His holiness is Mm -hmm. for you to deliberately defy Him Mm -hmm. for crying out loud. If it weren't, if Moses hadn't interceded on intercede on israel's behalf when they were worshiping the golden calf god was literally just going to wipe them all out and restart the world with moses mm-hmm. like to me i'm like so why would i do something intentionally to essentially spit in god's face it's scary and the people that do that are scary hey, they will have what's coming to them mm-hmm. they sure will that's where my peace rests because i know god knows praise him that he knows our hearts Mm -hmm. i feel like we've covered the basis of what it means to sin unintentionally yeah um and we we've talked about what it is we've talked about what it's not second thing i want to kind of touch on here is what the sin offering does so the burnt offering kind of atones for your sin oh i'm glad you're gonna talk about this because i was struggling it atones for your sin. So the burnt offering 
It's you giving your life holistically to God. It's saying, I've done wrong in your sight. I know I've done wrong. Please forgive me. The sin offering does that as well. It does forgive your sins, but it's an also a purification offering. So you kind of have to think of, I, I like to think of this as like those cartoons where like the skunks walking around, you can see like the little green lines coming out of its butt and then it leaves green lines yeah, wherever it goes. Yeah. It's kind of like that. If you're drenched in sin, you reek of sin everywhere you go yeah. and everything you touch is reeking of sin. Yeah. So the sin offering takes part of that purification and it kind of cleans your plate, cleans you up and says, okay, you're no longer drenched with the smell of sin. Yeah. You are clean. This is a purification offering. Yeah. And I, and I think you saying that also kind of leads into where, you know, the beginning part of that chapter where we read where it's like, if the high priest sins and everybody's guilty, yeah, everybody has sinned. And so that just goes to show that like, it defiles everything in its path defiles like it. defiles it and i think this is interesting too because now we're getting into like clean versus unclean yeah you know yeah what i mean there's a state of clean versus unclean but then you also can be in a state of unholy and holy and the priests in 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 himself had to be holy he had to be set apart mm-hmm. and that's why when he sends the entire yes. congregation is yeah sending. because he's basically their representative mm-hmm. i mean think about how uh, you're i don't know how to say this without whatever i'm just talking through it. it so like you're at work and somebody on your team or somebody that you work with does something and it's not to the standard or it's not correct mm-hmm. and they did it but it makes everybody on the team look bad look stupid it's kind of like having your boss go up in front of a bunch of people and talk about things incorrectly and it makes your entire team look wrong that's exactly what it is because he's supposed to be the rep the i shouldn't say he because it's not all yeah we're talking about the priests in this situation which was a he not just leaders and managers so yeah that it i mean it just goes to show that that's how kind of i think of it and how it makes sense to me mm-hmm. anyway yep. carry okay. on sorry so that's kind of like what the what the other part what the other side how it differs from burnt offerings sin offerings yeah. and then we'll kind of get into guilt offerings which i had some struggle but we'll get there anyway yeah are we reading the this whole thing or um like all the instructions for the status and we should okay uh, where did I leave off? I mean, I'm not going to start reading. I'm just trying to find my... Yes, I can read it. It's fine. If it is the anointed priest who sends, thus bringing guilt on the people, then he shall offer for the sin that he has committed a bull from the herd without blemish to the Lord for a sin offering. He shall bring the bull to the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord and lay his hand on the head of the bull and kill the bull before the Lord. And the anointed priest shall take some of the blood of the bull and bring it into the tent of meeting. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle part of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of fragrant incense before the Lord that is in the tent of meeting and all the rest of the blood of the bull he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering that is at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And all the fat of the bull of the sin offering he shall remove from it the fat that covers the entrails and then all the fat that is on the entrails and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them and the loins and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys just as... These are taken from the ox of the sacrifice of the peace offerings, and the priest shall 
burn them on the altar of burnt offering. But the skin of the bull and all its flesh, with its head, its leg, its entrails, and its dung, all the rest of the bull, he shall carry outside the camp to a clean place, to the ash heap, and shall burn it up on a fire of wood on the ash heap. It shall be burnt up. I thought it was really interesting to note here, and I could be jumping the gun. I'm sorry. That's fine. Um, how it says that the remains of basically what's not burnt up, and we're going to talk about it too later about when we get to the ashes, but it must go to a clean place. Yeah. And I think, you know, when initially hearing that, you're like, okay, a clean place outside of the camp. But this sacrifice is now, every single part of it is now holy. And anything that is not holy, that is not clean, can't be Mm-hmm. in god or with god yeah so that's just kind of why and what they're referring to there another reason for why the sin of the high priest affects the entire congregation of israel is because if the priest who is supposed to be assisting in these sacrificial rituals he's the one that's supposed to be throwing the blood that's supposed to be atoning for the sin he's the one that's supposed to be killing and cutting up the animal not killing it but cutting up the animal putting on the altar burnt offering and burning it up and he's the one that's supposed to be carrying out all of these things if he is defiled then everything he is touching exactly. everything he is doing is defiling exactly like that's why exactly well and you remember and i think we talked about this a little bit in one of the previous episodes is, is when moses was on his way back to egypt and his son was not circumcised yeah how can he lead and expect people to do as he says if he doesn't even follow you know yeah the law yeah so the high priest had to offer a bull which was the most expensive type of sacrifice um but that was a high priest right or a priest the anointed priest Mm -hmm. um do you have anything about the seven times I mean, really, anytime I think the number seven, seven or ten, I just know that that's God's number for perfection or completion. Um, Enduring Word had a whole thing about the seven things. Hold on one second. Let me look at my notes. Okay, I'm just going to read what they had about the sprinkling of the, the blood. Okay. Says the blood of the sacrificed bull was collected, then applied by sprinkling to the veil of the tabernacle of meeting and to the altar of sweet, of sweet incense. The remaining blood was poured out at the base of the altar of burnt offering outside the tent of the tabernacle. Sin is an offense at the holiness of God against the holiness of God, and so the veil guarding his holy presence must receive sacrificial blood. This blood had to be sprinkled seven times before the Lord, before the veil or curtain that has separated the holy place and the holies of holies. This showed the seriousness of the unintentional sins for the priest. The sevenfold sprinkling was also part of the Day of Atonement, um, the purification of the leper ritual, and the dedication of the altar. It says, whether the blood fell on the veil or not, we are not certain, but we have a good reason to believe that it was cast upon the veil itself. The veil of costliest tapestry would thus become by degrees more and more like a vesture of dipped in blood. As in like the sin is just continues growing. Like I'm just picturing like, you know how like when you think of, I don't know, you put a paper towel. Yes. And and it just just slowly soaking it up Mm -hmm. or like Mm -hmm. literally the blood on like the way a a carpet or something just like pulling and spreading out. out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Anyway, sin affects our prayer life. And so the altar of sweet incense representing the prayers of God's people must receive sacrificial blood and sin makes our atonement necessary. So the altar of burnt offering, the place of atonement must receive sacrificial blood as well. Makes sense. The thing about the veil is interesting. That is really interesting. It probably stinks. Nope. The altar of incense. What was also put on the altar of incense? Do you think that stuff was ever washed off? You would think so. Maybe that's what the ministering women did. Yeah. Yeah. No, they couldn't go in. Never mind. They couldn't. Mm -mm. Not to the tent. I'm just thinking like... And I don't think they were outside the actual tent. I feel like they were outside the court. Yeah, they could. There's no way they could go in. No, because you only even even could people go couldn't go in. No, like it had to be person, Levites. Yeah, like the priests. Yeah, they, they they were the only ones that were allowed in. They just probably organized the line and gave everybody a number, like the DMV. Yeah, one oh three, one oh three. Hold, it's me. That's me. Okay. Okay. Anyway, on to the congregation yes, as a whole. We're going to see a lot of repetition here. So yeah. Specifically talking about putting it, um, bringing the blood inside the tent of meeting, dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the veil. And you should put some of the blood on the rest of the altar, the base I mean, of does the altar. I mean, does any of it really differ? It doesn't. Reading it all. I mean, we can. Yes. If the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly and they do not. And they do any one of the things that the Lord's commandments ought not to be done. And they realize their guilt when the sin, when the sin, which they have committed becomes known, the assembly shall offer a bull from the herd for a sin offering and bring it in front of the tent of meeting. And the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands on the head of the bull before the Lord and the bull shall be killed before the Lord. And then we could do the sprinkling of the blood, blah, 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 um, all the fats, mm-hmm. Uh, priest making atonement taking the rest outside of and camp. they shall be forgiven then he should carry the bull out of the camp burn it up and the as he burned the first bull it is a sin offering for the assembly yes so i like to point out that a sin offering and burnt offering are both similar in the fact that they both deal somewhat with god's wrath as in yeah. you are transferring your unintentional sin to the animal that is then being killed and the blood is atoning for your sin, um, which takes care of God's wrath and that you justly deserved to die for your sin. Yes. It also kind of reflects the carrying of the rest of the animal outside to a clean place to be burned shows that you should have been cut off from your people. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And you should have been casted out and that should be you going out there and burning yourself up and dying basically, and yeah. dying on yeah. your own because that's sin is, sin um, is death. so it's just like that replacement yeah. basically it's I'm both, glad you both that sides out. of I that about that yeah um replacement for that sin so when a leader sends doing, verse 22 yes when a leader sends doing unintentionally any one of all the things that the commandments of the lord has his God ought not to be done, and he realizes his guilt or the sin which he has committed is made known to him. He shall bring his offering, a goat, a male without blemish, and shall lay his hand on the head of the goat and kill it in the place where they kill the burnt offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering. And then we have the priest taking the blood, sprinkling it, doing all the things, the fat. So the priest shall make atonement for him, for his sin, and sh- he shall be forgiven. That given is repeated so many times mm-hmm. he shall be forgiven i wonder if that's important to i know. think it is important hmm. Hmm. but see like here's my thing with these offerings i always thought that it was 
we don't offer, we don't sacrifice, we don't do these rituals so that God will. We do them because God is, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But see, like things like this make me think otherwise. Yeah. And And a lot of the things that I saw and a lot of things that I read said that we don't, they didn't sacrifice so that they would get their favor from God, that they would be forgiven by God. Because like, that's what the pagans did. They sacrificed in order to to get something. Yes. Like we want rain. So we're going to give you a a bowl. Right. Right? Like something like that. But that's not what they did. But see, like then the wording here makes me think they had to sacrifice in order to be forgiven. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the whole sacrifice thing is kind of like there's multiple reasons of why and i think number one was because we talked about in the last episode how terrible it would have been to like kill this animal and make you think twice about committing your sin because i know i sure would number one and number two like kind of like the aroma thing like it's very much so like you smell something it makes you think of this and we were talking about a little while ago about how your hearts are conditioned to just do inherited sin you know you just have inherited sin and so I think in doing these offerings and these rituals God is yet again catering to our flesh and reminding us that we need to come to him and ask for forgiveness so we're not doing it so he will forgive us we're doing it because he will does that make sense yeah it's like the act of asking almost yeah because let's be real God doesn't have to do anything for us you know nope But like these sacrifices aren't done so that God will. They are done because God is, does everything, you know? Mm -hmm. So because God will forgive me, I'm going to give him the best of what I have. Yes. Because God will forgive me, I'm going to give him, what is it? 10% of what I have. Because I recognize my sin and I recognize myself in this state of uncleanness, unholiness. I'm going to sacrifice to get right with God. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So if anyone of commonplace sins unintentionally doing any one of the things that the Lord's that by the Lord's commandments ought not be done, and he realizes his guilt or the sin which he has committed is made known to him, he shall bring for his offering a goat, a female without blemish for his sin. Where are you at? Which he has committed. Verse twenty eight. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the offering. The priest shall take some of the blood, the fat shall be removed and burned, and the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be forgiven. The common people can also bring a lamb, a female lamb, mm-hmm. without blemish. Um, he'll lay their hands on the head of the offering, kill it, um, and the priest shall take some of the blood, and the fat shall be removed, and the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin which has been committed, and he shall be forgiven. That's the end of four. He shall. So we have the priest, we have the leaders, we have the congregation, and then we have the commoners. Yes. All of which... Everybody is covered. Everybody is covered. Yep. And that's for unintentional sin. So that's the end of four. Five is kind of a continuation of four, um, but five is kind of um, unique in that it, it, it looks at the sins of omission mm-hmm. um, as in not doing something that someone should, carelessness or rashness. Yeah. Like... If you know, I don't know, the example that I keep thinking of is like, if you saw a crime committed you know and truth, you keep you your mouth say shut. The truth. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's why when a lot of these things I was reading, it was like, if they sin unintentionally and they realize what they've done or it is made known to him, as in somebody saw you sin and you tell them, hey, 
You mm, send over there. That's not right. Shame. <laughs> right? Where's my bill? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so any of these sins, let's talk, start from the top. If anyone sins and that he hears a public adjuration, mm-hmm. adjuration. To, to testify, and though he is a witness, whether he has seen or come to know the matter yet does not speak, he shall bear his iniquity. Or if anyone touches an unclean thing, whether a carcass of an unclean wild animal, wild animal, or a carcass of an unclean livestock. We were just talking about this earlier. Yes. The wild animal. Yes. Not touch. Yeah. Okay. Uh, whether a carcass of an unclean wild animal, a carcass of unclean livestock, or a carcass of unclean swarming things, and it is hidden from him, and he has become unclean, and he realizes his guilt, or if he touches human uncleanness, of whether whatever sort the uncleanness may be with which one becomes unclean, and it is hidden from him, when he comes to know it and realizes his guilt, or if anyone utters with his lips rash oath to do evil or to do good in any sort of rash oath that people swear, and it is hidden from him, when he comes to know it and realizes his guilt in any of these, when he realizes his guilt in any of these and confesses the sin he has committed, he shall bring to the Lord his com- compensation for the sin that he has committed, a female from the flock, a lamb or a goat, for a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for him for his sin. So we have a whole entire list of sins and of things that make a person unclean. Person unclean. And these specific ones are kind of like omission carelessness rashness you know being quick with the tongue being touching something unclean seeing something and not saying something um all of these sins that are committed you must confess your sin before the lord and make a sacrifice yes these specific ones you have to confess the other ones you didn't necessarily have to confess why do you think i was just gonna ask you why i don't know do you really not know i don't know (laughs) Maybe it's so you feel like you shouldn't do it again. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Because then like the entire, like the priests would know. But at the same time, you do kind of have to confess because you're putting it on the bull, on the, on the animal you're sacrificing. You don't have to confess. You have to put your hand on the bull. Yeah. And you're supposed to be conscious of. You're not saying anything. No, but you can be saying it in your head. Yeah. You would say it in your head, but like these ones you had to confess. Interesting. In front of a priest. It says, these sins require confession to God in the presence of a priest and a sin offering for the forgiveness of the sinner. That's what my study section says. I was real quick to look into the um, verse four. A person swears speaking thoughtlessly. It's talking about making a promise. Oh, yeah. Or, and, or, mm-hmm. or, or swearing a vow. Yeah, and not keeping it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. enduring words says when he realizes it and he shall be guilty, it says when we are aware of our broken vows, we must repent of them. It is common to make vows and promises in the Christian life that are not kept. And when we see this, we must repent and trusting in the atoning, covering blood of Jesus to bring our forgiveness. Yes. It says think of these common examples of broken vows and literally every single one. Every single one. Gosh. I felt real convicted. It says to spend more time in prayer, to make more intercessions for others, to do more devotional reading, to practice more intense Bible study, to be more of a personal witness, to be, for, to be more faithful in tithing. We talked about that last mm-hmm. episode. Uh, to live as a better example to others, to have more patience with the children, and to be pure in sexual matters. Maybe not that one. I'm pure in sexual matters, I feel. Right. <laughs> mm. right. 
Um, It may not be wrong to make such vows. They may be a legitimate, decisive expression of a move of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. Yet if the vow is not kept, it must be confessed as a sin and repented of. It's the little things that you don't think about. They're like, I'm going to go work out. I promised myself I'm going to go work out. And then you just don't. don't. That's unintentional. Not a vow kept. Oh, boy. I'm going to just stop telling myself stuff then. (laughs) (laughs) Right? But I'm pretty sure, like, avoidance is also a sin. this is why when I pray at night and I'm like, Lord, please forgive me of my sin. Only you know all the transgressions of my heart. I name, like, a handful of them. I'm like, okay, I can't think of any more, but I know that there are more. Help me. (laughs) I'm sorry. Make me better, please. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's in there now. (laughs) All right. Yes. We did all of those, right? Yes. We're at seven. We are at seven in chapter five. Did you have anything else to say? I have nothing else on sin. Okay. These are all sin offerings, by the way. All sin offerings. If he cannot afford a lamb, then he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation for the sin that he has committed two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. He shall bring them to the priest who shall offer the first one for the sin offering. He shall wring its head from its neck, but shall not sever it completely. And he shall sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering on the side of the altar, while the rest of the blood shall be drained out at the base of the altar. It is a sin offering. Then he shall offer the second burnt Second, for a burnt offering, according to the rule, and the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin that he has committed, and he shall be forgiven. But if he cannot afford two turtle doves or two pigeons, then he shall bring out his offering for the sin that he has committed, a tenth of an ephah, a fine flour for a sin offering. He shall put no oil on it and shall put no frankincense on it, for it is a sin offering. And he shall bring it to the priest, and the priest shall take a handful of its as a memorial portion and burn it on the altar of the Lord's food offerings. It is a sin offering. Thus the priest shall make some atonement. Some. <laughs> Thus the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin for which he has committed, and any of these things he shall be forgiven, and the remainder shall be for the priest, as in the grain offering. So it's really just, you know, making concessions for those people who don't have the financial resources to bring other types of sacrifices is that you can bring two turtle doves and two pigeons, or you can just bring grain. But I do want to point out that the grain that is offered in a sin offering is different from that of the grain offering Offering. and that the things that the grain offering, if you remember, is mostly for Thanksgiving. We bring grain offering as our first fruits to thank God for his grace and his mercy and in providing for us, right? Um, It's a sacrificial giving. But for the sin offering, the frankincense and the oil that and the salt, basically, that is supposed to be kept in the grain offering, which is supposed to be the things that bring happiness and joy and thanksgiving to the grain offering is removed from the sin offering because there is no happiness or joy yes. or anything like that in sin. Yes. So that's why they're omitted. Mm-hmm. At least I read that somewhere. I Probably did too. During I literally have that same exact thing. I don't know. I'm not even Flower looking at my notes. no sense because it is a sin offering. Probably, I think I used Ligonier quite a bit for this. Maybe it was Ligonier. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. So that was sin offerings. That was not the end of chapter five. Oh. We're but wait, get, there's more. Right. We're going to get into the end of chapter five and the beginning of chapter six. Um, They go through guilt offerings. We did yeah. want to kind of cut this off at five, but we noticed that guilt offerings kind of go through the first seven the first the seven five. verses oh yeah seven verses 
um, of six. Yes. Before we get into what the priests do. Yeah. So we're just going to do like the first little, I don't know, hunk of six. Six. Yeah. Not the majority of it. So these are completely different. So, so far in this episode, we have talked about peace offerings. We have talked about sin offerings. And now we're about to go into guilt offerings. Guilt offerings. So it says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, if anyone commits a breach of faith and sins unintentionally in any of the holy things of the Lord, he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation, a ram without blemish out of the flock valued in silver shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary for a guilt offering. He shall also make a restitution for what he has done amiss in the holy thing and shall add a fifth to it and give it to the priest. And the priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the guilt offering and he shall be forgiven. My study section says Moses instructs the Israelites regarding the guilt offering. While the focus of the sin offering is upon purification of the sanctuary, the guilt offering is concerned with the restitution or reparation. Three types of sin requiring guilt offerings are mentioned. The misuse of holy things of the Lord, supposed in sin offering things that ought not be done, and trespassing against neighbor's rights and property. Mm-hmm. So the guilt offering is really about making amends. You've broken something yeah. and you have to repair it. Yes. Restitution. Restitution. Restitution, basically. Yeah. So I kind of had, I, I made a little chart. It just said, it says sin versus guilt. Sin focuses on the defiling, polluting, polluting aspect of sin, where it's yes. like guilt is about sins, like you said, regarding holy things and basically other people. Mm-hmm. Like if you sin against somebody else. Um, yeah. And I unintentionally, think too, yes. And I think too, whenever I initially was reading this, I was like, guilt, how does that make any, they're not talking about guilt, the feeling they're no. talking about being guilty as in basically you committed a crime You did, and you need to make it better. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. It's about making restitution and making mm-hmm. things better. Yeah. So I had a, a question about the holy things. Cause I was like, what? The holy things of the Lord, that could be so many different things. Exactly. Um, Enduring Word says these included the first fruits, the firstborn, the tithe, the vowed offerings. Um, When an Israelite failed to fulfill these, they had to make this sentiment. This was something of a repayment offering. It's also in the event that anything was defiled within the the holy elements of the tabernacle mm-hmm. itself, like mm-hmm. the burnt table, burnt offering, mm-hmm. the table, bread, the sacrifice, anything, like, anything that was defiled. Any, yeah. And they said too, you could also make a guilt offering just in case, like yeah, to cover yourself, to, to cover, to your be butt. sure, because like you said, there's so many things like even the sacrifice, like, which I didn't even think about even the sacrifice, the body of the animal Mm -hmm. being sacrificed, even though it's chopped up and bled out the blood, it's all holy. So, okay. If anyone sins, this is 17, if any of five, if anyone sins doing any of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not be done, though he did not know it, then realizes his guilt, he shall bear his iniquity. He shall bring to the priest a ram without blemish out of the flock or its equivalent for a guilt offering, and the priest shall make atonement for him for the mistake he made unintentionally, and he shall be forgiven. It is a guilt offering. He has indeed incurred guilt before the Lord. (laughs) He has indeed incurred guilt before the Lord. Everybody is guilty. So it's like when you're giving like a guilt offering uh-huh. you have to give an offering to the church or not to the church to the tabernacle to god yes as well as everything that you yeah, we'll destroyed oh 
with the neighbor. Yeah, we're not there yet. Mm-mm. Okay, we're we're in six now. That was the end of five. It is a guilt offering. He has indeed incurred guilt before the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the end of five. <laughs> the end. I love it. <laughs> so starting six, it says the Lord spoke to Moses saying, if anyone sins and commits a breach of faith against the Lord by deceiving his neighbor in a matter of deposit or security or through robbery, or if he has oppressed his neighbor or has found something lost and lied about it, swearing falsely in any of and any of all the things that people do and sin thereby, if he has sinned and realizes his guilt and will restore what he took by robbery or what he got by oppression or the deposit that was committed to him for the or the lost thing that he found or anything about which he has sworn falsely, he shall restore it in full and shall add a fifth to it and give it to him to whom it belongs on the day he realizes his guilt. And he shall bring to the priest... As his compensation to the Lord, a ram without blemish out of the flock or its equivalent for a guilt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven for any of the things that one may do and thereby become guilty. Mm -hmm. Basically covering everything else. Yeah. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Everything else. So if you basically rob your neighbor or unintentionally rob your neighbor, which I don't know how you could do that, but um, I'm sure it was quite easy with With movement of animals and things like that Mm -hmm. you'd have to give back to your neighbor what was stolen or you found whatever and then you had to add a fifth to it so you have to give back more than what was originally quote-unquote taken which was 20 percent, by the way yeah i thought i don't know yeah and then on top of that you had to go and make your restitution basically to the lord because you have sin in his sight so you had to go and make your guilt offering to the church basically or the to the tabernacle to the priest mm-hmm. <sighs> that was really all i had that was it do you have anything else i don't think so guilt offering is pretty straightforward yeah i think so too and this episode is already kind of long it is <laughs> all right is it favorite verse time i think it is i don't have anything written down so um i think we decided favorite verse was four four Hold on. Four. What is this? Number 435B. And the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin which he has committed and he shall be forgiven. If that ain't a picture of Jesus. Seriously. I don't know what is. And of everything that he is. You not. He might be forgiven or he's not. He might be forgiven some or he's forgiven some. No, he is forgiven. There is something. Uh, where is it? It was on Enduring Word, and I really liked it. Okay. About how Jesus Christ fulfilled the sacrificial system. Okay. He did all of these. What do we what have we talked about? We've talked about everything. The burnt offering, yeah. the grain offering, the, the sin offering, the guilt offering. The peace offering. The peace offering. Okay. So Jesus fulfilled the burnt offering. This is from Ephesians. As Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. He died in his entirety and gave his life to God. Burnt offering, number one. The grain offering and the first fruits offering, but this is from First Corinthians. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Amen. The first one to rise from the dead. B, peace offerings. This is from Romans. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The sin offering for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. In Second Corinthians. 
and the guilt offering, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. That's from Romans. Mm-hmm. Literally, Jesus Christ fulfilled the sacrificial system. He, he was every single one of those sacrifices that we just talked about. Everyone. In this episode and last episode. Yeah. And that was from Enduring Word, by the way. Good. That was good. Anyway, that was our favorite verse. <laughs> So, on the next episode, we're going to be discussing Leviticus, the rest of chapter 6 through 7, and that will be up next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We hope you've enjoyed the time we spent in God's Word, and we hope to see you next time. Thanks for listening.